Now at this time, we'll be hearing from our first message, and it's going to be given to us by Mr. David Hope. It is entitled, Our Greatest Investment. Thank you, Mr. Whit. Good afternoon, everyone. Seemed like our five-minute crowd came in a little late today. I thought, wow, people found out I was speaking. They didn't want to come today. And I think maybe they forgot and came anyway. No, anyway, I, I appreciate you guys being here. It's always nice to have good, friendly faces to speak at, speak with, or to speak at. Our greatest investment before services, Mr. Gregory came up with a bulletin and said, the greatest investment, what is that, cleaning your carpet? Well, hey, man, you're a smart guy. That's a reinvestment. Good, good boy. What is an investment? Are investments good or bad? Some people may say yes. Should we do investments? If so, what kind? The answer just uh, answer. We'll look at a few definitions on this, and uh, I got. You can look at Webster's. You can look at all kinds of dictionaries. But the one I had that was handy was the Encarta World English Dictionary, Microsoft Corporation, da 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 da, and all that, and copyrighted. And I guess I can use that if I give them credit for copywriting. But they had about eight different uh, possibilities, and I'm using about four of them just to kind of because they're a little bit more specific, but uh, I'm not going to talk about each one of them. But one of them is use, uh, finance, use of uh, future profit, uh, finance money invested, contribution to activity, and purchase. Now, just delineate just a little bit. The outlay of money, for example, by depositing it in a bank or buying stock in a company, with the object of making a profit. Of course, we see, and Jesus even talked about that principle of people investing, you know, the, the talent, you know, the money, and things of that nature. So that's not, not too far out of the realm. Another one was financial, or finance money invested. It says, an amount of money invested in something for the purpose of making a profit. And that's, that's a good thing. Another possibility of an investment is Contribution of something such as time, energy, or effort to an activity, project, or undertaking in the expectation of a benefit. And I'll be speaking along that line a little bit more so than the others. Uh, the fourth one that I'm using, I mean I'm quoting from, I'm not using it necessarily, is a purchase, especially something that somebody should be able to use for a relatively long time. And that's probably more of the context of what Mr. Gregory was talking about. You know, you, you uh, spend a little money for a good, good carpet cleaning job and it'll last you for a long time. And I didn't intend to say that, but uh, here, what about 29 years ago, I guess, almost 30 years ago, uh, our original carpeting wore out in the uh, front part of our house and I replaced the living room and hallway with a really good carpet. Got a discount. I knew the carpet salesman. Uh, and, uh, but I in, that was an investment to me. I could clean that carpet now, and it, boy, it looks almost brand new. I'm, that's 
you know, I can't tell my customers that, you know, potential, but anyway, it was an investment for a long-term deal. And I think a lot of our investments are for a long-term. The Bible speaks of the greatest investment of all time. You'll turn with me to Matthew 13th chapter. And make sure I gave Brian the right ones. Brian's a very patient man. I don't, for some reason, I call him a lot of times on the spur of the moment. I'll say, hey, Matt, how are you doing? I call him by his brother's name. But I did it correctly today. A person might think I don't like him, you know, because I call him by something else. But anyway, I appreciate Brian's efforts and what he's doing. He does a good job for us. Matthew uh, 13, verse 14. Uh, very familiar scripture to all of us. Some people may not be so familiar if you haven't been reading the Bible all that much. But again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when the man had found, he hid, and for joy thereof, goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So many uh, hypotheticals on that. You know, remember a lot of us, uh, especially the older people, remember the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, on TV, a, a regular weekly series. And they're from, I guess, Arkansas, weren't they? That uh, Jed Clampett, the old man, he was out bird hunting or rabbit hunting or something, and he shot and, and uh, shot into the dirt. Well, oil started guzzling out. Well, you know, some, some people may be out hunting and find something in a field, and, uh, you know, the, uh, may be... Uh, no telling what. But to me, it would be an old junk pit. You know, they, people used to dump stuff, you know, in two different locations uh, near my house when I grew up as a boy. And, you know, they were dumping things from the 1920s, and 30s, and 40s, and 50s. And, oh, I had a blast going through those old dumps down here. I, I got a, uh, you know, if I'd had the money, I'd have probably bought that field. It wasn't valuable to them, I guess, but to me, and... Uh, and one thing I really enjoyed out of that, uh, they had hauled away a, a, a deer head, you know, that was in the sportsman's bar. But I used to go in and sell papers when I was nine years old, you know, uh, to the guys that would get drunk. And, but anyway, had glass eyes in the thing. And oh, did I cherish those glass eyes. There were a lot of things. I, I, I just loved going through old dumps. And my daughter Becky was home. We would, went to our friends down at Duncan and, and his old homestead. Family had been there for, you know, well over probably a hundred years, I guess. And uh, Becky and I and Harley went out to the old dump, and oh, we found some old bottles. Oh, you talk about somebody being in heaven. But anyway, that's I, I can understand uh, somebody going through a field, and and I don't think it is deceptive. I don't think it's wrong. Put it that way. I don't think it's wrong to hide it and do it, because Jesus said. Now, I don't know, maybe if I really looked at it, maybe, maybe it would be wrong, maybe just Jesus just used it. But anyway, Jesus used it, and I, I'm going to go with it. Uh, verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the essence of it is, whether it's right or wrong, whether it's smart or not, uh, the kingdom of God, according to Jesus, is so important 
And most people uh, in their own vernacular and their own way of perceiving things should be the most valuable thing that anyone could come up with. And there's so many scriptures to uh, back that up, and I'm not going to go into a lot of them today, just basically for time's sake. After God had opened our mind, your minds and my mind, to his wonderful truth, and it is a wonderful truth, fabulous truth that we understand, the glitter of this world had lost its appeal. I think most of you will say, you know, the, 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 the world's version of, of uh, success really is not that glamorous when you, when you look at it when we look at it in comparison with the other. And people will put their money and time and energies investing in things for the long term. You know, people have their 409 or 401s or whatever the case are. I, you tell I don't have one because I don't know what they are necessarily, but uh, when, when we were younger in the church, we either, uh, either put food on the table or, or save money back. And... Uh, uh, we felt that we weren't going to use it anyway because, you know, the kingdom of God is going to be here. And, and I don't regret, and, and I think any of our older members out here that I see, I don't think any of you regret the decisions we made to not invest our money so heavily into this world's good homes and houses and yachts and boats and things of that nature. I think most of us agree that uh, I wouldn't want the lifestyle that a lot of them had, but... Uh, Anyway, the glamour of the world had, had changed dramatically uh, to the point that to the point that some of us, some of you guys, would do just about anything to get in that kingdom of God, that, that pearl of great price, including changing jobs, you know, because you couldn't no longer you could no longer keep the Sabbath and do that, or maybe even lose your jobs. And we know people and and a, a, a couple that comes here every once in a while from western Oklahoma, most of you know. Uh, almost every year when they would go to the feast, they'd come back and he would have to look for another job. You know, simply because, uh, and he had a big family, you know, at that time he had four to five children. children. But anyway, but the kingdom of God was, was more important to him and it was worth the investment. A lot of us, uh, our friends and our families have turned away and some of them even to hate simply because we desire that kingdom of God that comes ahead we must live in this world we, we know that we live in this world and sometimes it's a struggle sometimes it's a big struggle for us and sometimes almost unbearable and, and I know stories right here in our own group and other groups and relatives and other people that, that, that it's very almost unbearable and it's not my purpose to go into all of the scriptures on that either. You know, that's a particular uh, subject all in its own. But, you know, uh, and I'll just, I'll just uh, refer to a particular scripture. And I don't have it written down. But uh, one that even some of our kids and will even say, Well, I know God said in his word that he will never give us more than what we can take. We know that. And our kids know that. And. A lot of other people do. So that's not my purpose to go into that, but just as a reminder, uh, we must live in this world, and it's a struggle. But we read scriptures, and so many, many scriptures that are scriptures of encouragement, 
and I'm going to read a few of them. I'm going to start with one in Romans 8, chapter, and verse 28. And I know if you men were given this message, you would have other scriptures, and, and maybe you'll do it sometime, and, you know, we'll, we'll listen to them. There's so many of them. But anyway, Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. That's even the bad things that we think is so horrible. They can work out for the good to them to them who are called according to his purpose. And I made a mention of this uh, particular example here sometime, I think, in this congregation. A few years ago, I was talking with a lady when I'm in someone's house, you know, cleaning her carpet or doing repairs or something. Uh, it's not unusual that I have a chance to have a little dialogue with them, especially when it comes time to get the bill, you know, and get paid for it. I'll take all time and necessary. But anyway, this one particular lady was telling me about uh, the problem with her children and and uh, she had a, an adult child and and uh, horrible horrible problems going on and I was trying to comfort her and a uh, little little too zealous about it and, and I quoted the scripture I just paraphrased you know well all things work to good for those you know and it all turned out right and uh, you may have remember me saying this and she corrected me <laughs> she said no that's not true and I thought, oh, we're going to do something wrong. She says, to them that love God and who are called according to his purpose. And he said, she is not in any way uh, called and no way does she uh, love God. So, so that doesn't apply. And I said, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, I quit doing that. But anyway, but for those of us who, who really look for God and we want to put our investment in the future, of God's kingdom, all things, no matter how uh, how bad they are. My wife is always quoting to the to the kids, you know, when they have problems. That uh, and I think one of her favorites is Joseph. You know that when he was uh, uh, his brothers were jealous of him and they threw him into this pit and they were going to kill him and you know and, and all the thoughts that go through his head and his mind about this is really bad. Then when they sold him into captivity and he went into Egypt, and uh, we know, most of you know the story there, that, uh, you know, he ended up with a pretty good job. Said, oh, well, things are going pretty good. Uh, he didn't know Romans yet. He didn't know Paul, you know. He wasn't on the sir. But he thought, well, things aren't too bad. I'm getting a pretty good job, and I work really hard. And then all of a sudden, simply because of his integrity, he would not... Uh, have an adulterous situation or, or fornication situation with his boss's wife and she ended up, you know, accused him of, you know, falsely and ended up in jail. Well, think, what in the world is happening? I try to do good and things still happen. Things are still bad, you know. And, and, and I think a lot of you, a lot of us, I've done the same thing. Uh, I know one time years ago, before we ever came into the, the worldwide church, that... Uh, we were getting a little uh, tight financially, and and uh, one thing we, uh, we always, I don't know, maybe our motive was wrong, but we always felt the tithing was a good thing, that, uh, you know, God would bless you, and, and sure enough, he did, you know, we weren't getting rich, but, you know, we made it by, and, and uh, uh, I thought about holding my tithe back, and friend said, well, you sure as a world, and my wife is, is a very believer, I'll tell you. <laughs> 
She said, sure as a world, we don't, we miss our tithe and our car will break down. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you know. So kind of a selfish motive in a way, but also it was a faith builder too because we hadn't had the opportunities to go the other way. Well, lo and behold, it did anyway. Our third child, Charles, was, uh, my wife was, uh, you know, time for deliver him. We had to rush to the hospital real quick. She was staying at my parents' house because she was trying to have an early delivery. And uh, pulling out of the driveway in a car, just, transmission just messed up. Anyway, so, you know, there, there was another test, another deal to think, well, you know, we try to do what God says, and it happens anyway, so maybe maybe we shouldn't do it. Maybe this is just all a farce. But we, we've all done a lot of things. We've all had situations and, and where we begin to question our faith, question God, and question, you know, God's integrity. But uh, fortunately, uh, uh, God didn't let us get by with it, and he blessed us in a lot of other ways. But anyway, um, uh-oh. And then we'll go now to uh, stay in Romans 8, and I'll just back up a little bit to Romans 8, 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, the, the, the dividends that we're going to receive in the future will not even come close to off I mean what I'm saying is our pain and misery and our investment won't even be close to what we're going to gain from from the, the wonderful kingdom of God uh, we just have to believe that all scriptures are applicable in all phases of our life and sometimes uh, when we're younger in the faith and we haven't had too much experience and we we look at certain scriptures and some of them are real powerful to us and and we'll say, oh, wow, well, you know, let's, I believe this one, or we're going to try it anyway. And, uh, but sooner or later, if you stay around long enough, you're going to have to depend on those again, because even when life gets good and easy and you get it all worked out and think life is going the way it ought to and you got all your ducks in a row, uh, lo and behold, something happens, and now you've got to say, oh, well. But one scripture I want to refer to, and a very basic scripture, one that I... Uh, probably helped uh, my wife and I when in the early days of our Christianity that uh, uh, Matthew 6 24 through 34 very basic no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other you cannot serve God and mammon is money you know we can't serve with equal uh, intensity God and and uh, money and prestige and fame and all of that not and let me qualify it's not that God doesn't want us to be rich God you know Abraham was one of the richest men in the east or the west wherever it was he was very wealthy a lot of very wealthy people Job was wealthy it's it's not that God doesn't want us to be wealthy but if that is our objective, and there's so many scriptures that show that, you know, the deceitfulness of, of riches and how it can bury us and how it can take us away from the truth. And like I said, that's not in my main message, but I just want to refer to it. Verse 25. Therefore, I say unto you, 
Take no thought for your life. What shall you eat? And for out of a job, and, and you know, uh, uh, Shirley Gill is really a person you want to talk to sometime, listen to her and talk about her early days in the church. She had, what, five kids at the time. Her husband had left her, and they didn't have any food, no food on the table. She went ahead and set the table. Her children said, Mom, well, there's no food. She said, all right, we'll pray about it, and God will supply. And I may get some of the details wrong. I'm not going to go any too much further than that. But it was so inspiring to listen to Shirley talk about some of those things in their early days. You know, she took it on faith. She listened to and believed the scriptures that, that Jesus was talking about. And she believed that the Bible was the word of God. Oh, I know where I am. Take no thought for your life, what shall you eat, or what shall you drink, nor yet for your body, what shall you put on. Is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father, you know, your heavenly Father, my heavenly Father, feeds them. Are you not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? That means upwards. That don't mean round. I think most of us know that, you know, we can, if we lay down sideways, our stature going that way is bigger. But if we're standing up, our statue, I've tried for all these years. And, and in fact, I've gone the other way. I was five foot eight when my wife and I got married. She don't like me to say this, but six months after we got married, I was five, seven and a half. And never did get it back. Anyway, but I did say something nice to her uh, well, before the feast, and, and she did make me a cherry pie the next day. So I'll try to think of something nice before I get out of here. You know, you, you're with somebody, and Steve will attest to this, because he's been married to Miriam for, I don't know, a long, long time, and, and all the others out here. You can tell by the look on their face, you know, I've, I've really messed up here. <laughs> right, Barney? <laughs> Barney? Barney don't have that much. He don't, he don't have the hoof and mouth disease. In my case, I just uh, opened my mouth long enough to change feet. But anyway, uh, did I read about the fowls of the air? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not reap. Barney, yeah, okay. Verse 27, which of you by taking thought can add, oh, I read that, okay, I'm sorry. And why take you thought for raiment, you know, clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the glass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Sometimes it, it embarrasses us when we don't have the faith. Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, and we might say to the people that aren't converted, people that aren't putting their trust in God. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of these things. 
and how many times we said, oh God, I need a, I need a new car. I, well, I need a Mercedes or, or, you know, a Cadillac or something. Well, maybe you do need a car, but, you know, maybe you don't need a Cadillac or, or Mercedes, whatever. But anyway, God, God knows what we need. He knows that, you know, you're paying somebody for gas. He knows that, that uh, you know, we're escaping our money. We're taking it out of grocery money to buy gas to get to work on. And I know a lot of you have done that sometime in life. And God knows that. But there again, that's part of our character development, and I'm not going to go too far into that. But here's uh, the crux of the matter, verse 33 and 34. But seek you first the kingdom of God. And we've heard this a number of times here lately in our own congregation. And I think even at a face someone mentioned it. Kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Maybe a car, but not the, not the Mercedes. And maybe, you know, he may decide that you, he gives you more than what you asked for. Maybe you want an old conquer. Therefore, or take therefore no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient to the day, to the day is the evil thereof. And if we worried about tomorrow and the next day and how we're going to eat then and how we're going to pay our bills there, if we worry about that, we're going to be some some cases so bogged down with stress that uh, you know we, we, it, it is so comforting to to look at these scriptures and and say God when His wisdom knows what we need and and when to interrupt and when when not and when we look when, I'm sorry when things look bleak and and I question sometimes you question. This lifestyle, is it worth it? You know, is, is it really worth it? Uh, this particular scripture comes to mind. I don't stay that way very long. Mark 8, chapter, verse 34 through 38. And when he, Jesus, called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, if we want to invest in the kingdom of God, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. A very good possibility if we compromise too much and we're so concerned about this world and about this life that we're living in, we're going to forego but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. Verse 36. For, and this is the thing every time, especially in my younger days of, the, of conversion, and I still have to think of it at times too. What, is, what shall it profit a man? You know, profit, the long run profit. A man if he shall gain the world, you know, the yachts and the family, the, the fabulous lifestyle and the homes and, and, and the upgrades of the cars and, and all of that and the diamonds. If he shall gain the world, the whole world, all of the blessings, you know, some of these kings in these foreign countries are extremely wealthy and lose his soul. 
For what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I, can we imagine what it would be like, you know, we struggled for so long and decided it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. It's just life is too hard. And then at the judgment day when we're looking and we're seeing our comrades, our brothers, our family members and church family members, you know, enjoying the kingdom of God and a fabulous wealth and blessings they have, and we're fixing to be thrown into the lake of fire. I just cannot imagine that. I know we've, we've all had some tremendous things that we've lost because of our ignorance, because of our stupidity, because of our rebellion, but I don't know of anything that would come to that, some come close to that. I've made some mistakes in my life, and I know you have too, that uh, I wish we could turn around. I wish I could change it. I, I, even as old as I am now, once in a while, every two or three years or so, I still have dreams about playing high school football, you know, about suiting up. Even at my age, and you know, I think, can I get it, make it through calcinics, you know? And But I compromised when I was a junior in high school, and I, something I wish, you know, some of the younger kids could understand too. Uh, I quit sports after football season my junior year, and I didn't go out for wrestling. I didn't do anything else. But I got because I got involved with a, a girl in a, another town, and and I spent several hours every night, except Friday and Saturday night, on the telephone at a telephone booth, a nickel for the phone call, and instead of and my grades slipped, and I and then also uh, when I would go to a dentist and get a dental. Uh, get excused, my mother would write out a receipt, I mean a, an excuse for me to, so I could get back into school. Well, if the principal didn't ask me for it or the teacher didn't ask me for it, uh, I just put it in my wallet. Then when they did ask me, you know, when I skipped school, I, I'm, you know, because I would skip. One time uh, I'd, I'd jump on the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the narrow gauge train that came out of Durango, Colorado and Silverton and all that over to Shiprock hopped on it out of my agriculture class and, you know, and we'd gone all afternoon. And I would turn in my slip, you know, my excuse slip, Mom, please excuse David as he went to the dentist, no date on it or anything. And I thought I was so smart. But boy, do I ever regret that. I did not get to play football my senior year, which I think would have been my good year, you know. And of course, the older you get, the better you were, you know. I, uh, I, I would have made the starting team, I knew that, but you know, I probably would have been given a good scholarship and a good friend of mine who played on the same team was a high school football coach for Amarillo, Texas and different ones, you know, one of my uh, classmates a couple of years ahead of me played football for the Air Force, you know, and uh, you know, so the older we get, the better we were at that time, nobody, there fewer people to dispute it, but you know, some things we really regret, and I can't fathom any of us doing something or compromising so much that we will not be there in that day. I don't mean that we have to be in fear and all that, but the scripture tells us, you know, we do need to be diligent. We do need to stay focused. Um, see. Anyway, so we, we, sometimes we can't back up and we can't change it. There's no reruns. You know, there's no, no practice. You know, there's no reruns. Uh, Romans 8, verse 15 through 18, if I haven't read that yet. 
For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You know, we, we can be, on a personal basis, we can call God our Father. You know, we are the sons of God right now, and we will be sons of God in the future. With, and it doesn't, as Scripture says, it, it doesn't appear yet what, we, what we're going to look like. You know, but we are going to be fabulous spirit beings. 16, the spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And you know that you're the child of God. All of you know that. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And what is Christ heirs of? What, what does Christ own that we can partake with him? This entire vast universe, it, we just can't even describe it. Join heirs of Christ, so, if so be that we suffer with him. We go ahead and go the extra mile. We have the faith, the confidence that we may be also glorified together. What a day. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. We can't even sometimes just try to you know, stretch your mind and find out what it's going to be like sometimes. Just really stretch your mind. The kingdom of God is the greatest and most valuable investment of all mankind. I don't think anyone, when we understand it, would disagree with that. The greatest and most valuable investment of all kind, of mankind. Let's continue depositing our time, thoughts, and energy and reap the dividends of our investment in the kingdom of God.